0: This episode is sponsored by Podgo. We use Podgo to monetize all of our podcasts and get paid within twenty four hours. So if you're a podcast want to get paid, be sure to check out Podgo. That's p o d g o dot c o. That's Podgo dot c o. And be sure to enter our name in the "How did you hear about Podgo?" section of the application. See you guys in the episode.
1: The language of the universe.
0: But I don't understand it.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we welcome you to episode number 51,
0: where today we're joined by another special guest. Dr. Saeed Rastgu from York University. So Dr. Rastgu is a quantum gravity uh, theorist, I will say. Uh, To be honest, he was introduced to us in episode number 49 by Mr. Paul Delaney himself. Uh, If you guys have not checked that episode out, be sure to check it out. It's a really cool episode. And yeah, so he was, so we had a little, uh, a few questions on uh, string theory and you know loop quantum gravity and all these interesting theories in quantum mechanics and uh that's when mr delaney told us well you need to check out my colleague dr Rastigu. so here we are so dr rastegu maybe you want to take a take this opportunity to introduce yourself to our audience just what you do what you do
2: at york university and just a little brief history of yourself thank you very much um it's very good to be here to talk to you guys uh, so I, um, I'm i an assistant professor at York University working as you mentioned in quantum gravity uh, classical and quantum gravity physics um, black holes cosmology all this, this sorts of stuff um, I started at York University from January 2020 and before that I was an assistant professor at uh, Monterey Institute of Technology in Mexico and before that I was postdoc in several places mm-hmm. um, yeah so that's a short uh, introduction about
1: mm-hmm. me. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And so before we actually get into the questions, I'm going to mention the comment of the week, which we are not forgetting to do as we almost yep. did uh, last episode. Yep. And so this comment actually comes from Golda, long time listener. So thank long you very much. Listening. And uh, she says your podcast make my week a whole lot better. Ooh. so thank you so much <laughs> we know thank you listen you. to it every single week and we appreciate your support so yeah if you want to um be the comment of the week make sure to leave a comment on youtube mm-hmm. or on instagram at math.physics.podcast and uh yeah we will not forget this is this is now <laughs> gonna not gonna be a weekly thing we we, we pick a comment mm-hmm. and um we will read it in the beginning of the podcast mm-hmm. anything else some,
0: yeah yeah some some news for the podcast just just some updates. Not really any news. Uh, we have we we have hit seventy. I think I, I'm not sure if we mentioned this, but we we crossed seventy thousand downloads. We're now at seventy three thousand downloads, so it's pretty impressive. And our follower count is right now at fifty seven hundred, so it's actually it's actually growing pretty well. It's going pretty well. Thank Spotify. you, everyone. Yeah, so thank you, everyone, to continue uh, to listening to us. Uh, it's uh, it's it's well, it's a lot of fun to do. Right? Yeah, make sure and, to follow mm-hmm.
1: us wherever you're listening to this, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, enjoy the episode.
0: Did we not also hit? I think we also hit like 350, 380 YouTube subscribers, right, or something like that.
1: Uh, I think we hit another hundred. We hit another hundred, which
0: is nice to see. We're growing. We're growing slow, but we're growing, and that's and that's all that matters, right?
1: Yeah. perfect. So yeah,
0: I think uh, I think I think we can get straight into it, and the the classic way we start every one of these episodes with any guest on the podcast with the classic question. What got you, Doctor Rastagoo, into your respective field? Like was it something (laughs) in high school that triggered you and said, Hey, I love physics? Or was it an experience? Like what was the situation? And what was your transition from, I don't know, maybe like liking physics to liking, well, quantum mechanics? Like what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, so
2: um my answer, the first part of answer might be a little bit cliche. Okay. Uh, so I, when I was a kid, uh, my mom used to buy me uh, kind of scientific, small scientific books, maybe a few pages each. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember two of them. One of them was black hole, the other one about black holes. The other one was about dinosaurs. <laughs> so it turned out that I liked astronomy kind of and black holes more than dinosaurs at that age. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I started reading the, um, some sci-fi uh, stories, you know, uh, about physics and space and all those things and at some point one of the friends in high school told me that okay, it's all nice and fun, this sci-fi stuff, but real physical stuff is also you have to learn about physics also kind of as it was a, a, a nice uh, suggestion mm-hmm. so I started gradually getting uh, into more, more physics I mean, the, the mathematical physics and theoretical physics I remember I liked the modern physics course in high school really a lot. And then I got more into astronomy, so uh, I created a astronomy uh, club if you want uh, in my uh, bachelor years. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, it was in Persian, the name was Persian, but it was called uh, Big Bang basically. In Persian it's, a- it's translated advanced. to <laughs> Mehbang. Meh so okay. Big Bang. And then we built three telescope actually before that i built a telescope myself a newtonian telescope oh, uh, wow. oh yeah, wow so you can make, you can build a mirror and all of those things with uh, with some simple uh, chemicals and and uh, some material like that um, and then I mean you can polish them, polish the mirror mm-hmm. using of those. Course. Yeah. And then we created, I created a 15 centimeter telescope, uh, Newtonian, and then together in that group we created a 20 and 25 centimeter ones, two two of them, and we had numerous uh, observation nights. I remember that it was a really fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, so gradually, I my um, interest changed from astronomy to cosmology, from cosmology to gravity, basically, and Then I found, I mean, in my opinion, I found that what is the hardest and most interesting problem (laughs) in physics is probably anything, combination of quantum theory and gravity. And that's Mm -hmm. basically quantum gravity. So,
1: yeah, that's the story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we don't really, you know, we're kind of sitting side by side with our audience right now. We don't know much about (laughs) loop quantum gravity or quantum Mm -hmm. gravity, or anything like that. But we did take an introductory course to quantum mechanics. So maybe we will catch like a little bit of the... A little bit of the terminology here and there. <laughs> but can you give us kind of a big picture mm-hmm. explanation of loop quantum gravity?
2: Sure. So uh, pr- probably we have to start from a little bit before that. So a big picture of what we know in fundamental physics. So we know that the universe is made up of two, uh, uh, two parts, basically. One part is, is matter or matter fields. The other part is a space-time. So space-time mm-hmm. is the arena where matter-fields interact and move and all, all sorts of things. And in many times when people talk about universe, they forget that the one important part of the universe is space-time. So they talk about universe ending, and by that they mean that some, some sort of things happen to matter-fields that disappear or something happens. But the space-time is still there. So anyway, so there are mm-hmm. two parts to the universe. The first part, which is the matter-field, or, or the matter-fields, Um, That part is explained by uh, some theories, you know, for example, electromagnetism describes the uh, particles that have electric charge And then you have two other theories, weak theory and a strong theory They basically describe how atoms um, in more high energetic levels um, behave and interact Mm -hmm. Um, So this is uh, about matter So previously there were classical theories, like electromagnetism was a classical theory And people found out that you have to do something to these uh, classical theories uh, so that they match the observation and that uh, framework that they use was is called the quantum theory so they found that for example light comes not in, in a continuous uh, um, uh, system or way but it's uh, divided into small what we call quantas, small packages or packets mm-hmm. um, so it worked well for matter field and very good, we have the standard model of particle physics and everything. On the other hand, gravity or space-time, um, we, we have everything is classical. So we know what is space, what is time, and uh, people are starting to think about that. Okay, so what happens if we want to do the same quantization to, to the space and time? So uh, maybe itself come, space itself comes in packets or atoms and time itself. So they started to do that also to match these two theories of matter and the space-time together because you cannot match two theories that one is classical one is quantum they cannot interact basically uh, so that part that what you want to quantize a space and time or a space-time is called quantum gravity and the reason is that the field of gravity is actually a space-time so you don't have gravity or a space-time you have, sorry you don't have gravity and a space-time Gravity is a space-time. You can think of the universe as um, matter fields and the field of gravity or matter fields and the space-time. So the gravity mm-hmm. and space-time is the same thing. So when people talk about quanti- quantum gravity or quantization of gravity, they mean quantization of space and time. So this is a big picture of, of what we have. Then um, So we can later go to what is loop quantum gravity as opposed to string theory or other theories. Mm-hmm. Um, but... If, if I you think, want, yeah. we can discuss about yeah.
1: this, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so before we actually get into the loop part of the quantum gravity, just just wondering about the class. So I think, I I don't know if this is still a question asked, but at least like when I was still searching up like my limited knowledge, um, I think there was always that big discussion whether gravity is could be a particle, you know, hi- a- hypothesized as the graviton. So does quantum gravity support the fact that gravity is a particle or does it because you explain that gravity and space time are basically synonymous right so mm-hmm. if that is true then how could gravity kind of be conducted via a particle maybe i'm misunderstanding this maybe you can clarify no but like no. what's the situation there
2: sure so um imagine let's first start with the unknown field which is electromagnetic field Okay. so in electromagnetic field you have a bunch of so this is how field theory or quantum field theory works In classical field theory, what you have is a bunch of particles, say electrons and protons, and then around them, they create a classical field. And by field, I mean something that is around an electron, for example. We don't know what that thing is. But whatever it it is, uh, it uh, covers all the space around one electron. And if you put any other electron or proton in there, it feels a force on it and uh, that's the result of this field that this is the invisible hand of the electron that reaches out to other electron and acts on it. Uh, quantum field, so in this picture you had two objects. You had field and particle. One of them is uh, like a wave. The, the field is like a wave in the sense that it, uh, it is non-local if you want. It's always all around the electron. The other one, one is a particle which is electron and it's local. Now quantum field theory uh, changed this view a little bit. So it says that you only have fields. There are no particles in principle uh, these fields uh, are fluctuating because of the quantum phenomena uh, we, will, we can talk about that later but anyway so they're just this uh, uh, going up and down so these bumps and valleys in the in the field of the, elec- in the electric field uh, like the water in the in the pool so sometimes they're small uh, going up and down in the water and uh, at some point for some reason some of those bumps become uh, permanent so they're excitations in the field, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then those excitations are particles. So particles are made up out of this continuous field, and then they affect the field, and field affects them. Um, and how these two elect- suppose that you have two electrons? How do they um, communicate? Because it's a quantum theory, quantum field theory. You really can't have these continuous things like fields. So what happens is that around these electrons, these electrons uh, make the field also excited around them and create another types of particles if you want and those types of particles are called photons so those photons are um, uh, force holders of the electric field How, how do they work is that one electron is here It kind of, well this is very hand-waving, I mean it's not very, um, I I don't want to go into technical things But So this creates, this electron creates out of the fields around it, creates a photon for example, uh, excitation And this photon travels from electron 1 to electron 2 and affects its velocity or momentum And then uh, either repels the second electron, the first one via this photon, uh, repels the second electron or attracts it if it's a, a proton and that's mm-hmm. how the, this is the picture of quantum field theory, so everything is basically a quantized field, and particles pop up and uh, pop in and pop out of this thing and that's why you also have the idea of creation and annihilation of particles mm-hmm. which you don't have in uh, quantum theory you have in quantum field theory, but you don't have it in quantum theory oh, those so are there are different two things yeah there are oh, two different things <laughs> uh, okay. uh, so this is the the picture of quantum field theory of matter field. so this this is what the, what we have you know about the force. in gravity uh, if you want to have this picture again you have to quantize this and quantizing the field of gravity as I mentioned is basically quantizing a spacetime right because what you see as a force of gravity is nothing but, but the curvature of a spacetime so we've interpreted as fi- force or field of gravity but it's just a spacetime you no know, bending so you have to do you have to have this quantum field that makes ex- quantum excitations and blah blah so this force carrier that I talked about in the in the case of electric field, the photon. This, in the case of gravitational field, if the if we had the quantum theory of gravity, it would have been the graviton. So, a mm-hmm. mass creates a graviton around it, uh, and then send this graviton to another mass, and then that affects uh, the other mass and attracts it. Um, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I don't know. Uh, for us, it's good to have to not not know th- some things in physics. <laughs> <if it is. laughs> Um, this doesn't work if you try to quantize the force of of, uh, gravity like that or field of gravity like that you encounter uh, lots of uh, infinities if you want or unknown parameters that you can never get rid of and uh, it's technically it's called the renormalizability so you cannot renormalize the field of gravity it means that there are infinite number of uh, um, parameters in there infinities there it doesn't work it only works this interpretation only works if your gravitational field is very weak so you have a small curvature for that you can approximate something as graviton as a particle but at the heart of black holes or very the, the situation where curvature is very large that uh, description breaks down
1: mm mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. and um I was doing a little bit of reading and, you know, the first line, when you, when you search up for loop quantum gravity, it says that it's, it's attempting at consolidating, um, quantum mechanics with general relativity. And so kind of what, what are the missing pieces there between the two, right? Yes. Like what, what do we need to connect the two?
2: So, uh- with regard to this question and continuing from what I said before so why why is the reason that this description of uh, graviton and quanti- quantizing the gravity in the traditional sense that people quantize matter fields quantum field theory doesn't work the reason is that um, I, I mean technically it's renormalizability and all of those things but you can also see it in this way in order to uh, to quantize gravity you have either quantized the whole field of gravity or assume that I'm going to divide the gravitational field into two parts one part is called the background and the other part is called the foreground or the perturbations so this is actually what you do when you want to uh, quantize other material fields what do they what you, what you have is that you have a classical background spacetime and these matter fields or matter particles are moving on this spacetime and that background spacetime is just there doing nothing basically and it's very nice and it's not quantized and then you have a background on which you can quantize um, other matter fields however in gravity, gravity itself is the background Mm -hmm. so that is the first thing that on on what are you quantizing thing and what is this supported? Um, so as you see this is the first um, probably kind of an issue the second thing is that gravitational field or space-time is the causal structure of the universe so without the space-time or gravity you don't know what happened before or before after at the same time uh, what causes what these all lose their meanings without the gravitational field and then if if you don't have that you don't have science at all so mm. if something causes something now when you quantize the gravitational field in this way the whole gravitational field uh, conceptually you are quantizing the causality so you the, the What causes what and what comes before and after becomes jiggly. So really at the quantum level, you don't know what's happening there. Mm -hmm. So the first attempt was that, okay, let's uh, take the gravitational field, divide it into a background, which is classical. And some small changes, say, let's say the background is a flat space. And a little bit perturbations like when you put the sun on on the flat space time, you get a little bit of bump or something like that or a valley. And then take that as a perturbation, that perturbation, you can quantize that then. Um, so cl- the background is classical, the foreground is small perturbations, you quantize that and those perturbations become gravitons, right? And um, so the problem with this is that you have some sort of... Um, you're not really quantizing the whole spacetime and it really doesn't work when you, are want- you want to quantize the gravity close to the heart of a black hole, for example, where curvature is very large. Because this thing that I said that you divide things into background and perturbation only works if your perturbations are very small that's the definition of a perturbation but close to the center of a black hole everything the gravitational effect is so large you cannot do that so first of all it doesn't work like that this is one of the missing pieces So you, that, as, that you mentioned um, so you have to quantize the whole system and it, this is technically called non-perturbative quantization so as opposed to perturbation perturbation, dividing things by background and perturbations. And this is the the main feature of of loop quantum gravity, that it quantizes the full gravitational field, so it's valid uh, at any any energy or length scale, even at the heart of the black holes or closer to singularity. So maybe
0: now I think would be a perfect time where you can explain the loop part of loop quantum gravity, right? Because I'm just thinking about how you're describing how uh, quantum gravity is aiming to, you know, explain all parts of the universe, and black holes isn't one of them. So, does loop quantum gravity explain gravity inside a black hole as well?
2: Yes. So, oh, first of all, okay, so yeah. maybe you could, yeah, yeah. So, first of all, uh, let's uh, point, uh, we will discuss about if you want about the differences between different theories of quantum gravity. So, but in general, quantum gravity means a theory that quantizes space and time. Mm-hmm. Um, so in uh, loop quantum gravity the first feature uh, is that some of the features actually are that uh, you don't have per se you don't have higher dimensions because you don't need them at. That, I mean at that time at least when you want to start quantizing um, and also you don't have additional ingredients like supersymmetry and all those things you start just with plain quantum theory and uh, in a general sense and gravity and um, so let's start with gravity so suppose that I want to uh, know if there is gravitational field somewhere or not okay this only can be known by doing what uh, physicists called um, um, something that is not local some measurement that is not local as an example suppose that I, uh, somebody puts me in an elevator a very small elevator small room and releases me in this space Now, in order to understand if I'm just uh, basically if there's gravitational field around me or not, uh, there's no way to do that in a very small um, local neighborhood of me. So I can never know because everything around me is accelerating with the same acceleration, and uh, whether there's gravity or not, I mean I can I can't I cannot know that. However, if I move around, so I measure the the direction of the if you want force on me. In some position, and then move around like two hundred kilometers away from the that, that small room, and then measure the force on me. I may see that these directions are a little bit different. So suppose that Earth is here, and the direction of gravitational field here is is towards if you want toward the southeast, and in the other position is towards the um, uh, southwest. Southwest, right? Yeah. yeah. This is this is only possible if you go from place to place. So. Your gravity is only known if you move around. Now, uh, how you um, interpret this in, in mathematics, you basically, you take a vector with yourself. Okay, so you, you, you know that the vector is basically a line with, an arrow, uh, with a direction. And you start from here and go around the loop in a space and come back. And if that vector comes back exactly in the same form without any angle with the original vector, you say that there's no gravitational field in there. Wait, but, sorry,
0: sorry. Could you define loop a little bit better? Like yeah, when just you just start loop, from one
1: position, just a connected path,
2: right? Yeah. So like start a, from yeah. Like it could be exactly. You go. You go some 200 kilometers. It doesn't really need to be actually a circle. You can go like a, a triangle. You can go a uh, square. So, but you, do you need a return back to exactly. your original path? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the okay. definition. That's, okay. Yeah, so. Okay. So you return back always to your place, and this loop should be finite, I mean, at, at the beginning. So mm-hmm. you, you cannot do it really locally at that exact position. So if you go around and come back, and the vector that you have in your hand is the same um, in the direction and the magnitude, you say that there's no curvature in the space-time, and because there's no curvature, there's no gravitational field. But if you get back and you see that, oh, it changed, so that's the definition of gra- existence of gravitational field. That's actually what people call the Riemann tensor. The Riemann tensor tells you if you go around the loop and come back, the Riemann tensor is non-zero if your vector changes, and it's zero if your vector does not change. And the Riemann tensor is the essence of gravitational field. Um, okay, so you already see that there's a loop here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can already hear
2: it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, now in, in another... So from the quantum theory on the other side, on the other hand, we know that there are some certain loops that have all the information... Of the of the field in them so in order to know about the information about the field one way is to just study the field itself with some in some method or you study just the loops in that theory and if you have all the loops associated that then numbers associated with those loops you can have information about the the field itself so loop quantum group does this it uses these loops are called Wilson loops in, in quantum field theory so you study all the possible loops in space-time and then you see that, okay, with all these loops I can have information about the, the gravitational field and then you quantize these loops, basically. And this is, very, this is the simplest ex- uh, explanation I can uh, discuss, I mean, tell you about the loop quantum, where this term loop comes from. So you can quantize these loops and this is equivalent to quantizing the full Riemann tensor, the full uh, gravitational field.
0: But wait, so these, these loops, how would you, sorry, I'm still thinking about all of this because it's, I mean, it's so interesting, but it's still, it's still like so much out of our scope because I'm thinking about, okay, first of all, just, uh, just a little backtracking here. What exactly is quantizing? Because you keep saying quantizing, like I, I kind of understand the the concept like mm-hmm. okay we have something like in a macro scale and we want to i guess quantize it to apply like theories of quantum mechanics or something to that mm-hmm. maybe some sort of that i understand but like theoretically mathematically what does it mean to like okay i have this theory i quantize it like what mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. what exactly
2: is that yeah so let me uh, tell it in on two levels okay and the first level is just more conceptual so basically it means that introducing uncertainty in your variables quantization so before uh, introducing quantum theory you can measure the position and momentum of the particle at the same time and as precisely as you want but after quantization of the theory you cannot do that as you know so one of them the increase in the uh, decrease in the uncertainty of measuring something increases in the other one Um, more a little bit more technical is that if you're a student of physics in maybe third year or higher you know about this thing called the Poisson bracket. Um, I don't want to go in detail about that, but basically it means that um, how these two, uh, X and P, uh, compared to each other in classical theory, they can be just uh, measured as, as more precise as you want. When you change this Poisson bracket into the, the quantum bracket, you cannot do that anymore. So you have seen this famous um, bracket of Q and P equal to IH bar or something. Mm-hmm. So classically, it's just Q and P equal to 1. But then um so um uh, it's a little bit hard to explain without any math so basically mm-hmm. introducing uncertainty into your variables
1: mm-hmm. oh. and <clears throat> basically I, I wanted to ask you as well about a uh, uh, string theory and why maybe some people go the loop, quanti- loop quantum gravity route and this or um sorry i'm not saying this well but whether some people prefer going the loop quantum gravity route or the string theory route, and maybe what's the difference in, and, and uh, yeah, like a general comparison. Because to my knowledge, I believe that strength,
0: I mean, obviously you can correct me now, but like uh, to my knowledge, like string theory, like the, the attempt now what it's become is very different. But the original idea of string theory is very similar to the, to that of loop quantum gravity. Right, like they're both trying to find this perfect theory that explains the universe. Yeah. yeah. So, what, so yeah, there so are a few it.
2: differences. First of all, the, probably I would say that without, uh, with the lack of experimental evidence that we have, unfortunately, um, uh, the only thing that I mean we are working on physics. So ultimately, what m- makes a theory correct is not if it's beautiful or 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 appealing, but uh, if it matches the the reality, right. Um, So we don't have that. So basically people have some kind of, if I I may, uh, philosophical um, appeal to some some theory. So for example, loop quantum gravity comes from the gravitational physics community. So it's really uh, uh, people in this field really um, think about background independence in the sense that the dimension. So you don't have a background and perturbation and it. You just have to have the full thing quantized. There's no background, which is very beautiful. It makes it makes things, I mean, there are lots of symmetries there. Um, and you're thinking just about quantization of the gravitational field, right? So you make the space-time uh, kind of quantized in the sense that having the atoms of a space-time, like when you quantize a gas, think about the gas as a quantized thing, and you have atoms of gas, which are, which are the atoms, as you know. So the same continuous space-time may be having these atoms if you look closer. This is loop quantum gravity basically. And the string theory comes from the field theory part. So people who work on, as I mentioned, remember the matter fields and all those things. So the, the idea behind that is that um, the basic idea is that unification of all forces or all fields, gravity and all all, all other fields. Uh, via a, another field so the the field that we they they have in in mind is a string field so they are instead of one dimensional objects that are particles they have sorry zero dimensional objects that are particles they have one dimensional objects they're moving around and somehow a gravitational field and other fields kind of emerge from from their interaction so this as you may have read a lot about the string theory in science you know public science uh, um, books and and documentaries these strings Move around, and they have they have excitations, so they're like um, jiggling around. Different excitations have different energies, and those different excitations or energies correspond to different particles: electrons, protons, I don't know, like quarks, mm-hmm. all those things. So the the difference is that um, string theory, at least, at uh, starts with non with, with perturbative method of of quantizing or a field of gravity. And uh, so whether you believe or you like to have unification uh, rather than just quantizing of gravity and background dependence so that you will go to one of these fields and in my opinion you can find kind of truth in both or many of these theories of quantum gravity and and ultimately people have to talk about this together these communities and find uh, shared um, components of quantum gravity to be able to build the final theory of quantum gravity
1: yeah i was I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about uh, string theory and um, they were saying how like string theory is a lot of just mathematical gymnastics with nothing nothing really to back it up and people are saying, wow, look at all this math I can do but then there's actually no real like like proof of it being uh, so like proof backing it up mm-hmm. and um yeah, I mean, I definitely I definitely think that. The like the engineering side of all of physics um, is what powers our theories, and you know the 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 better our um, the better our tools, the better our ob- observations, the more information we can really extract from the the entire mm. universe. And do you mean experimental side? You said engineering side. I'm like yeah. Well, like, like exp- more experimental right? side. Yeah, but also you need to like having the technology and, and, and building like the new, like we don't know what our tools are going to look like. In, I guess in that would be engin- a thousand yeah. years, right? That, that mm-hmm. has a lot to do with engineering as well as, um, I don't know if we talked about this on a previous episode, but uh, in terms of like space travel and things like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of, well, this is of course, a little bit speculative, but with uh, like extraterrestrial Uh, technologies showing like proof of gravitational uh, propulsion and things like that like imagine if we had like uh, like public access to these Mm -hmm. kinds of these kinds of like feats of engineering Mm -hmm. I think I think it would really power our our abilities to come up with better theories that really do explain every corner of the universe Mm-hmm.
2: yeah definitely technology is is very important i i don't think that anybody on earth has this technology and to test quantum gravity theories and doesn't share it because this is simply it's not possible basically but the the problem with co- t- testing quantum gravity theories is as we mentioned technology or engineering but uh, the problem is that the the energies you need are really 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 high i mean unbelievably large uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, energies. Um, um so uh, basically what we have uh, at the moment is the, the experiments are at the at the level of of quantum field theory models basically what in particle physics so still really high energies but but compared to loop, uh, compared to quantum gravity scale orders of magnitudes uh, lower mm. um, that's unfortunately one of the things that uh, we have in in quantum gravity community in in general and uh, that's why you have a variety of this zoo of uh, quantum gravity theories that no one knows which one is correct and many of them are really beautiful theories so you don't have only loop quantum gravity and string theory you have um you have causal um causal sets for example that that assume that the basic structure of the universe is not a space or time or matter it's just basic causality and out of that, they, they can make up space time. They have other theories that out of um, a Hilbert space or a, a quantum spa- a quantum space, which is an abstract space, they want to build up space time out of that with something that called entanglement. Probably, maybe some of you the, mm-hmm. your audience knows about that because of this. This is spooky action at a distance. Yeah. That... Yeah. <laughs> so there's so many theories like that, but we really don't know about uh, them because we don't have ex- experimenting experiments doing that. It's the same yeah. as situation with multiverse, wormholes, all those things, or even what you mentioned about the, the engine of the these um, objects that can move even faster than the speed of light. There are actually papers on that, um, mm-hmm. the warp drive, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, the problem is the experiment and high, the really high energies that we need to, to test this.
1: And do you mm-hmm. think that maybe <laughs> one day, this is speculative, of course, but one day we're going to find a theory that, you know, it's so beautiful and so, so complete that y- you can just derive like every single theory that we know now, like every, th- every theory, every classical quantum theory that we have now is just a subset of this of this magnificent theory
2: well the universe never ceases to to surprise us so i I really don't know it may be the case and uh, the history of science shows us that beauty is not enough for theory It's, it's really good i mean there are many things that are really beautiful in science and work but ultimately the universe doesn't care about this so it's just it should work in the universe and that's the idea of what you mentioned is the idea of unification so if if you have a final theory that that have all other theories in it in principle you're able to get all the th- other theories out of it but it's not that simple also uh, even if you know the fundamental theory and if unified fundamental theory suppose that i give you the fundamental theory of, of particle physics at the moment at least which is the quantum field theory no one is ever able to uh, explain the the work of heart you're using that quantum field theory st- There's several levels of complexity and uh, you have to have effective theories. So, for example, biology is an effective theory which is valid on the level of meters and centimeters and all those things. And it's really hard to really derive it from quantum field theory, but we know that that it's basically derived from there. So it's Mm -hmm. true and not true at the same time. So in principle, you can Mm -hmm. do that, but...
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And also there's kind of this this mystery mystery aspect right where you say you know you could present to me a theory and it's like okay well now explain consciousness oh that's (laughs) another story yeah consciousness is
2: really what what that stands out i'm not a philosopher obviously so what i say just take it with a grain of salt but yeah you know about the qualia which philosophers talk about so basically the feeling of so you see something that is red and that the redness the feeling of redness or or the feeling of warmth cold all those things these are uh, really challenging to explain using physics i'm not saying that it's not phys- i mean not, not physics but just uh, mm-hmm. different viewpoints under that and this is really the hard. it's called the hard problem of of consciousness
1: yeah and at the end of the day everything that is in the universe is natural and is a consequence of you know, the, the initial conditions of the universe just evolving over time. And so there is, I, I, I hope, that there is an explanation to most of the things that we see. And especially, like, consciousness, at least in our local universe here in, on Earth, is so, um, like, widespread. You see so many different types of, like, animals and whatever, and they seem to be pretty conscious. I mean, hmm. at the same time, there's no way for me to tell that anything else is really conscious but this is getting really into the philosophical yeah. side. <laughs> I, I, I really, I don't know. The, the, I have hope for the future of, of theories and explain, the, the ability to explain things. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's the hope
2: mm-hmm. that we'll live by <laughs> in science. Yeah, at least.
1: For sure. um, and so actually now we are coming up on 40 minutes and to anyone listening right now, this is the very first episode where the Math and Physics podcast is sponsored by Brilliant.org. So this is a very monumental moment for us right now. And so if you've listened to this podcast up to this point, you are obviously interested in math and physics. Um, We know that not all of our listeners are in the science streams, but you know are still, of course, interested in the topics that we cover in this podcast. So if you actually do want to learn more about these topics in your free time, Rehan and I... Highly recommend you go and check out Brilliant.org's online educational courses where you can actually build up your knowledge in math, computer science, logic, and applied sciences, and more, all from scratch. Um, we know that some of you aren't even in university yet, but want to learn all the topics taught by the the website. And of course, mm-hmm. uh, Brilliant is the perfect place for you. Rayhan and I have tried it ourselves a little bit, and you can really start from zero and mm-hmm. learn all of the things that that Mm. Rehan and I are learning in university right now. For example, you can start with basic algebra and work your way up to multivariable calculus, which is what we're learning right now. A lot of people have actually asked us, hey, I'm in high school, like, you know,
0: still in grade 10, 11, and I'm really interested in the stuff you guys are talking about, but I don't really understand mainly or like everything, you know? So Brilliant is actually legitimately a place where all of this is very readily accessible. And it's, it's, it's actually, and it's also very apt that we have a spot, we like, we have a partnership with Brilliant with our podcast, you know, promoting science and promoting STEM research and stuff. And I mean, that's, that, that's basically the idea of Brilliant too, right? So, to I mean, we're also very happy to say that for our first 200 listeners, like the first 200 people that want to get a Brilliant, um, a Brilliant, what, like a, what am I trying to say? A membership. A membership. That was the word. Yes. Yeah, so, so if you want to get a brilliant membership, uh, head on to brilliant.org uh, slash MPP. That's the math and physics podcast. And for our first 200 listeners, you will get 20% off your premium membership. So yeah, that's um, that's just something that I think is really apt for our podcast here. And uh, once again, thank you to Brilliant for sponsoring it.
1: We're going to put the link in the description. So Absolutely. Go check Absolutely. that
0: out. So. Uh, Dr. Rastgu, have you heard of Bob Lazar?
2: Yes. Oh, we are going yes. back <laughs> Okay. Yes.
0: <laughs> l- l- let me say let me ask why. I mean, let me explain why. Because we were talking earlier about the the possibility of, you know, I think I think Parker was mentioning like, you know, these um these these instruments, these engineering instruments that could far exceed what we know today. So my question is well to those people that don't know Doctor, I mean uh that don't know Bob Lazar, well he's um he's kinda like a he's a physicist that works in a in a in an area kinda off what's it called Parker? I think you it's you uh, know Area that.
1: 51. Okay, it's no, a no, laboratory
0: but It's called S something,
1: right? Uh S four. S four, something Alamos. like that. Yeah. And
0: he basically he was on a he was on a Joe Rogan podcast where he was talking about a lot of his experiences with anti gravitational machines now I heard that and I just flipped I'm like no way that's possible so I guess my question here is well first off do you believe he's telling the truth and second off if you do if if it is true what do you like what do you think that would have an impact on our like understanding
1: of quantum theory and also sorry um, yeah, just to add another question um in with all of your years of study is there any any hint indication towards an anti-gravity particle or something thing? like that yeah right yeah
2: <laughs> okay so that's uh, the first question i don't know if he's telling the truth or absolutely i don't know him i don't know anything about mm-hmm. uh, so that's I-, I cannot answer the first part the second part is about something you call anti-gravity so that's based on the interpretation so What, for example, if you look at the paper by the paper that's called the warp drive by um, Miguel Alcubierre uh, from actually he's also in Mexico. Uh, That was the I think the first uh, paper published in putting this uh, warp drive into physical context. So it basically gives you formulation of that. Um, Of course, there are some serious issues with that. You need some exotic mass or exotic matter for that, Uh, but. I mean, people at at least at NASA took it seriously to kind of study that, work on that. Anyway, so because that's a scientific paper, I can uh, talk about that. That paper tells you that given that you have this sort of weird matter, let's say we have it, um, you can create uh, at the back of your spaceship and uh, in front of it, basically put put your spaceship inside um, a bubble, a bubble space time in which uh, inside is different from outside. We, we have something gravity is called metric and the metric basically is the gravitational field if you want um, uh, This metric as I mentioned, this is very very interesting that gravity, gravitational field, sorry I just regressed, digressed a little bit so um, the, the gravitational field as I mentioned is the spacetime and its causality and all, all those things Mm-hmm. creates all of that. So the metric is all of, the, all of these things at the same time. The metric tells you what is the d- distance between objects, what is the time distance between the space distance, or the space-time distance, uh, and uh, all causality and all of those things. Um, so that's why it's called metric, right? It kind of measures the distance. Mm-hmm. if you want. Um, So this metric or gravitational field, you can modify just around the uh, spaceship such that uh, outside you have just usual, if you want, flat space-time and inside you have some sort of curved space-time and the metric field or gravitational field behind the satellite or, or that object is uh, kind of, uh, if you want, positive or, or, or uh, yeah, so it's pushing the spacecraft so it creates a creates a um, positive, um, uh, what's the word, um, hill, if you want and in I, front think the, of the... I think
1: the analogy is that if you have like a marble on like your bed or something and then you press down in front of the marble, it'll start accelerating. And then yeah, you're... so you have
2: to bring the gravitational field up at the back of the the, yeah. the spaceship and create a valley in front of it so that it constantly moves forward. But the beauty of this is that you it, what is moving is actually not the spaceship itself. The spaceship inside its local space, term, so that bubble is just... Uh, Sitting still, doing nothing, and that bubble itself is moving around. The, that bubble of space time moving inside the, the exterior space time, uh, and this has really nice advantage. At least two really good advantages. One of them is that uh, there's no uh, problem with acceleration. So because the, one of the uh, problem with um, you know space astronauts and all of that is that our body cannot take that much acceleration. Maybe 10 G's, or I'm not sure how much, but uh, that's some sort of like that. Um, so, even if you have the, the technology to reach this sp- close to the speed of light, you can do it. You have to do it very slowly if you're if, if using traditional technology. But in that case, you are just sitting still there and you're not moving. The, the space time is moving, so you don't feel acceleration. Um, so, you can immediately go from zero to close to the speed of light. The second thing is that because the space time itself can expand and, or contract or move around if you want uh, with any speed it wants. So it's not bound by the speed of light. So you can just move around even f- faster than the speed of light. Um, and from the viewpoint of somebody that is uh, close to this spaceship, you can think of that as as any. You can think of that as either gravity or anti-gravity because it's just moving weirdly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a problem of interpretation. Maybe that's true, but it's not really anti-gravity. It's just gravitational field itself, but it you can manipulate it in weird ways.
0: So technically the warp drive is not really breaking special relativity then because I was because because just hearing the word warp drive you're like oh superluminal but that right there would break all the laws that we've been brought up with right no, so yeah. how would yeah so would it work in such a way where because you were describing like we're creating more space and technically like that wouldn't break special relativity. Like how would, how would a warp drive exist? Basically my question, I guess I can form is how would the warp drive exist without breaking special relativity?
2: So it is basically based on general relativity, which is even it's a more complete theory than special mm-hmm. relativity. So in general relativity, you have all those things of a speed of light and blah, blah, And then, uh, you also have these additional things. Um, you're creating this warp drop actually using general relativity so basically the theory is relativistic completely the the issue, the problem, or actually the the advantage is that what is moving around is not really the the satellite or the spaceship with respect to its immediate space time it's the, the bubble space time with respect to the outside space time and we know that is absolutely possible we see that the high rate shift in cosmology things are moving Apparently faster than the speed of light But that doesn't mean that they're really moving The matter is moving Mm -hmm. faster than the speed of light It's just a space time itself And then drags the galaxies and all those things with itself So it's absolutely possible not to violate special relativity or general relativity Because you are not moving material objects Faster than the speed of light
1: So all all we have to do is figure out how to do that Yeah. Yeah, so
2: if you want to basically curve a space time around the spaceship in a certain way uh, there's a there's a clue, there's an issue in that I will uh, mention that, but basically you have to do that. Um, and then that's it you 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 can go on. So the, the issue is that for that at the moment, the theories that we have, the papers, uh, you have to have some sort of if you want exotic matter, matter with uh, l- 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 negative energy density or negative mass if you want. So we don't have that. Um, even if you have that, you may have you may need a lot of matter to curve a time in that way. So mm-hmm. you know uh, the space time is like a is like a fluid but a very stiff fluid in order to curve it you know that you, pu- you have to put a really really large mass there like a sun there or, ma- or earth and uh, so it's not easy to put a, in a small amount of space a large mass because it creates a black hole then you have to deal with that and <laughs> so yeah
0: Imagine accidentally <laughs> you're like hey let's let's do this boom create a black hole entire experiment just done <laughs> I think I, I think uh,
1: entire <laughs> entire earth is done <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty funny um, but yeah I just had a thought in my head and maybe maybe this doesn't really or maybe you've never really considered this but um, what about the um, the explanation or yeah I guess the the, the, the interpretation of a white hole Uh in in loop quantum gravity. Is that a a thing?
2: Yeah, so this is something that in many um, models of black hole, uh, interior of the black hole or black hole itself in loop quantum gravity appears. So what happens is that, actually it's one of our latest papers to study that in a different context. Um, uh, First of all, when a star it starts to you know uh, contract it goes inside its short shield radius if it becomes a smaller than some radius it becomes a black hole just have have in mind that outside of a black hole it's basically like like outside of a star nothing special happens outside so uh, when you enter the black hole the short black um, interior uh, suppose that you ride on a, a sphere so uh, at any point uh, it Uh, a shell of a sphere we call technically two-sphere in physics because it's two-dimensional shell so that is just moving towards the center of the black hole suppose that you're sitting on one of those shells and for you first of all let me say something interesting for you it may take maybe one hour ten minutes or something to reach the singularity classically but for somebody outside if the black hole is really massive for somebody outside it takes billions and billions of years so that's an interesting thing so in gravitational field, time slows down in a strong gravitational fields. Um, right. So in classical gravity what happens is that you ride on this two-sphere you get closer and closer to the center of the black hole and just you fall into the singularity and that's it, it that's, You just disappear from physics because that is something that uh, curvature becomes infinite and there's no mathematical way to deal with infinite So if I tell you what is the two times infinite, it's, it's infinite but those are different infinites, alright? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make sense. infinity is not an infinity is not a number. That's why it's hard to work with. That's a concept. Um so uh, but in, in loop quantum gravity at least, what we know is that models, many of the models show that that classical singularity in quantum regime uh, changes to a highly quantum state, something like a graph. And those graphs are basic states of, of space time in loop quantum gravity. And sometimes you can uh, demagnify your 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 spacetime. You can you can uh, uh, decrease the resolution and look at that graph, and you see a smooth classical spacetime. Some sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes there is no classical counterpart to this graph, and the thing that appears at the center of a black hole, uh, where it used to be a singularity, is is such a graph that is not classical. You can never look at it as a graph. It's highly quantum. So, um, but it appears that something happens there that uh, in principle when you go towards the singularity some kind of wormholes created there quantum mechanically and then you bounce back right so at some point the black the, the, the any trajectory bounces back and whenever you bounce back that's that means that you have a white hole i will explain that a, a little bit more now after this but so bounce back and you get out of the black hole so the thing that always attracts you if you get inside its event horizon is called the black hole. Mm-hmm. And the thing that always spits you out, you can never go backward. So that's that's called the white hole. So it's the Wait, time so, reversal of black hole, yes.
0: Sorry, could you explain the bounce back part? I didn't really get that. Like yeah, how would, me too. Yeah, because so, if you're going inside, how would you bounce back? Like, Yeah, yeah
2: so uh, you go inside and you reach the singularity, which is now a quantum thing. And... Um, well, humans cannot do that because obviously, I mean, even if, yeah, yeah. yeah so. Uh,
0: assuming. assuming.
2: Some, <laughs> something <laughs> happens at that, that uh, regime, that quantum regime, that pushes you outside. So the equations show that there is, well, we get back to that, some kind of anti-gravity force that is quantum effect. It's not really anti-gravity force. This is a, a term in your equations that has a, if you want, a positive uh, sign. So the mm-hmm. negative sign means that you're you're attracted and positive means that you're repulsed outside. Uh, that, make, that positive term is always very very small unless you get very close to the singularity and then that becomes even larger than the attracting terms so mm. the repulsive term only comes into effect really very close to singularity and pushes you back and when it pushes you back you kind of bounce backwards outside of course, the, the real I mean the complete picture is much mathematical is much complicated than that but that's the that's the bounce back part, bounce back part. So this is a quantum effect, absolutely quantum. There's no classical thing in there, that is that becomes really large. Suppose that that thing is it goes with one over r, that uh, force, or one over r to power ten, let's say, that is much larger than one over r squared of the attraction of gravity. So it really uh, pushes you outside, but only comes into effect very close to singularity, not not far from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this is the definition of black hole that when you go inside, you have to go inside, and white hole that when you're inside, you have to come outside. And the reason is that when you pass, when you're outside of the black hole, you have a space and time, right? You can go backward and forward in space, but obviously, never you cannot go backward in time. You have to go forward in time. When you go inside the event horizon of a black hole, a space and time switch their nature. So, what you knew as time becomes a space, and what you knew as the space becomes time. Basically, uh, when you're going towards the center from the viewpoint of an observer from outside that direction previously before you enter the black hole was a spatial dimension so you go back and forth but when you go inside that direction is now time so you cannot go backward because you have to go backward in time you have to go forward towards the black hole and that is actually the direction of time that you are going that's why it's a little bit uh, very actually uh, non-intuitive but that's uh, that's how it happens in the white hole they call it. They call the white hole is the time reversal of black hole. So that direction towards outside of the white hole is the positive time direction. So you have to go outside. There's no way you can go. You can go backward.
1: Do you? Do you believe? Oh, oh
0: yeah. Sorry. Do you believe that we will ever be able to um, make an instrument that? Wait. How do I formulate this? That goes into a black hole. I don't even know if this would work. And is able to capture the singularity. And assume we can. Assume we can. How would that change our understanding of quantum mechanics near a singularity? Like let's say you had the information. You had a picture of all the information at the singularity. Let's say. Like what. How would that help?
2: So let me first say that we don't know black holes exist or not. Because I, I mean I'm. I'm one of those physicists that I really like my theories and all those things, but at the end, I, I I trust experiments. So if at some point we experimentally know that there is absolutely no white hole, so we have to change our theories. Like Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. always said that, right? Mm-hmm. We have to change our theories to <laughs> to match experiment. Let's say there are white holes and we can do, we have this bounce back and everything. The issue is that when you go inside the black hole and you bounce back, you don't back, bounce back to the same outside the space time with, from which you enter you bounce back towards another part of the universe or even another as they say causally disconnected part of the universe outside another so basically you enter a black hole there's a wormhole there you go out and you go to some part of other part of the universe so in order to send something and get information from that first of all you have to find that thing where, where in the universe that is <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: no but i mean i'm saying assuming I'm not actually asking about the white hole because I know that b- brings up a lot more complications. I'm saying, let's just say there's just a black hole. Mm-hmm. And s- s- like somehow we are able... Well, f- well, first of all, is it... Uh, okay, I- I'm actually thinking, but the more I'm thinking about it, I don't think it's possible <laughs> for us to put something in and actually get it out. But I'm, I'm saying assume we have the information of the singularity of a black hole. Like, would How would that affect or help our understanding of quantum mechanics near a singularity because this question is mainly motivated by a scene in interstellar so i mean i don't know if you've seen the movie yeah so yeah. interstellar um
2: that's actually is, a whiteboard a blackboard from interstellar
0: yeah i actually noticed something i'm like that's interesting yeah so uh he said f- i forgot a oh, rom 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 says uh in a scene in a certain scene that if like if we are able to image the singularity of a black hole, I will be able to solve all of these problems that we're dealing with. So my question is: If let's say we are able to image the singularity of a black hole, realistically speaking, would that actually help? You know, would that actually help quantum mechanics? Would that actually help physics? And in what way?
2: So uh, the the thing is that you cannot you cannot take a picture of a singularity basically because that, that's a quantum regime. There's no picture or. Anything that these these classical concepts don't exist there. But suppose that you, you could send a probe inside the black hole and somehow comes out somewhere that you can somehow. catch it, exactly. all of those things, um, and can make uh, meaningful measurements. This is basically like the other like CERN or LHC. So you get some bunch of readings from, I don't know, like it depends on the theory. And uh, for example, loop quantum gravity, we have this spin network graph there. So you can read the, the properties of those spin network. And obviously it tells you, uh, even if the spin network actually it is true or not. I mean, this this viewpoint of of loop quantum gravity. So that's based on your theory. if, For example, in loop quantum gravity, what we... But the prediction is that, again, as I mentioned, so there's a, some sort of graph there. Mm-hmm. And so you... Tune your device to, to measure the properties of that graph, but uh, other theories may have different things. So,
1: N- on, so. returning to, to white holes, does does um like loop quantum gravity predict like a stable white hole? Because I've never heard of of like if if a if a white hole were to appear, it would instantly um what is that cave, like cave into a black hole? Right, because of the the sheer like matter density that would just appear out of nowhere right uh,
2: maybe that's more true about uh, wormholes so white holes can exist as long as again let's go back to theory and assume that experiment doesn't matter at this moment so yeah, in course. principle if you tweak some things if you have negative matter density on all those things well you can have w- both uh, black holes and white holes and they're connected by something called a wormhole um so there are stable wormholes if you can have negative energy density. Yeah, you can make them stable. There's no problem. Both of them black hole and white hole. So again, black if if a black hole can be can be stable, so can a white hole again in principle with all those weird properties. Uh the problem is that if you want to have a wormhole between these two so to create a white hole, um uh, uh, at least, again, in, in generically, you need to have some sort of energy density or mass, if you want, that is negative. And we don't have that. And I'll, even if you had that, you need a huge amount of energy to keep that the the, uh, the wormhole open. Because it will close up immediately. It needs a lot of energy to co- if you want to confront gravity, it's not to close on itself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's we, we haven't seen any uh, white holes, obviously, now. But some people conjecture that... Uh, these fast radio bursts that we see very far away in the sky could be white holes, but.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do you, I guess, I guess you've already kind of explained that for a wormhole to exist, we would need some sort of exotic or some sort of negative matter of, you know, on, on, on that scale. But well, well my question, I kind of, again, kind of a like twofold. Well, what does loop quantum gravity say about wormholes in general? And let's say we did find this negative matter. Like, because I keep hearing, oh, we can just construct it with negative matter, but would we not need, because like a wormhole, I guess, connects to spatial coordinates. So let's say we want to go to another galaxy. Would we not need to like place, quote unquote, place the other side of the wormhole over there? Like, how do we, how do we make that wormhole once we have that negative matter or energy?
2: uh no you just need to i mean enter the black hole and just uh, when you're cl- close to the singularity just increase the energy and uh... no but does a wormhole
0: require a black hole like do you yeah. like oh, oh so
2: wait, wormhole should be, you, you need you need both sides you need black hole and white hole so that's the definition of wormhole. You enter, no, no, no.
0: I'm not. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about black holes and white holes anymore. I'm just talking about wormholes in general, but like an Einstein-Rosen bridge. I know,
2: but the right. So yeah, so both ends of the, both ends of these uh, this this wormhole, mm-hmm. uh, should be something. So you enter yeah, from some exactly. part of the spacetime, go to the other part of the spacetime. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, um, if that if I understand your question, so you you need that basically.
0: Yeah. So yeah. my question is, how would we? So, so we can't just
1: place it in any, like anywhere.
0: Like for example, <laughs> simple example. I
1: think this is beyond uh, the. <laughs> yeah, I know, right I know. Now. This is all
0: very theoretical <laughs> questions. This is all very, very. This might not even make any sense. But I'm, I mean, I'm just trying to place the idea of a wormhole in my head because I'm like, okay, let's say I want to go. Well, I'm in. Well, I'm in Canada right now. Well, let's re- say right I, I, I.
1: Sorry. S- sorry. No, I was just gonna say. For, for, the idea of the wormhole you need an entrance and an exit right so how do you even that that, that's exactly my question like how
0: like if let's say i want to go from canada to i don't know like india for example like i have negative matter let's say i have negative matter right here how do i okay i'm here so i can make an entrance how do i make the exit like,
2: well, it will it feels great. So you're asking me something technological. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess this is. A, <laughs> I mean, this is, I even guess. the theory is really. Um, the yeah. People. So so basically, I, okay. the idea is that when you when you create an opening somewhere and you can keep the opening uh, open using a mm-hmm. negative energy density, and then there's there would be another opening on the other side, and you can go um, mm-hmm. from this. But actually, this idea was developed, which is very nice. There is a really nice paper about that, actually for graduate students, but. This idea was in nineteen, I think eighty-eight. I, I, I think if I if I'm right, uh, the one of the f- famous physicists created this idea, wrote a paper as an educational paper for for classroom general activity. and oh, that wow. came, so it was really interesting. And then they showed that you need this negative energy density and all of those things. But uh, one thing that I can say about that regarding loop con- to quantum gravity is that um, in order to to keep that um, and or, or what is related to this negative energy density is basically something called um, null energy condition. Null energy condition basically tells you that, or energy conditions basically tell you that your matter field is is uh, normal. There is no negative things there. Uh, so null energy conditions classically cannot be um, cannot be um, negated basically if you want. But again, using quantum effects you can see that that happens actually so quantum effects can give you so one of again one of our papers the recent papers about is about the Ray Chaudhry equation so Ray Chaudry equation is the name of a, um, an Indian um, scientist uh, so it tells you that suppose that you have a bunch of particles on a circle and they're moving in a space and time right uh, if there's gravity this will contract and expand or it will change its shape to an ellipse or from circle to anything uh, and if you have a singularity somewhere, this will contract and contract and infinitely contract. So the rate of uh, rate of contraction would be infinite at some point. Um, so that's there. That's where you have a singularity. Now there is no way to to stop this unless you have a, a negative matter classically, right? Uh, however, we showed, for example, here that using quantum effects and without any matter fields. Um, all these factors that contract the, these, these material um, objects, these lines if you want to call geodesics, um, will be overcome by, by other terms, we call effective terms, additional terms that come from quantum theory that they actually oppose these, these classical um, focusing terms. So the defocusing term, if you want to call them anti-gravity, I don't call them anti-gravity, but the, these defocusing term appear due to quantum corrections and uh, at the singularity instead of these, these, all these circular objects just going to one infinitely you know, focused, they kind of be repulsed and then everything would be kind of normal and regular. So in, in that sense, you see that quantum things can kind of work for you as quantum quantum uh, terms, uh, work for you as something that um, looks kind of like uh, against the energy um, condition, not energy condition. So again all hope is with with quantum gravity mm-hmm. quantum mm-hmm. Terms.
0: yeah that's the that that i guess that that's the final answer right that's the final answer figure that <laughs> for out for
1: sure well i'm i'm super excited for my career in physics obviously because there there's so much to discover and mm-hmm. you know the the like exponential curve of, of the advancement in technology i think is going to produce some amazing amazing um like for example i i always say this it's like explaining the internet to a caveman you know we're gonna have that kind of like internet <laughs> that mm-hmm. will even if you explain it to us right now we'll be like i don't explaining know explaining quantum mechanics <laughs> to a cat Try yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and, and also right Han, when you were when you were asking your question about the uh, wormhole I was, I was just thinking like were you expecting an answer like oh yes you just plug in the coordinates into your wormhole machine. Okay, then... <laughs> I guess
0: I guess I didn't really think about what I was expecting. I was just I was just thinking out loud because I think the most common thing with a wormhole is like where do I exit from? I think that's that's the, that's the question I've always had because everyone always you know the the, the classic. Uh, the classic movie scene when they fold a piece of paper and they put a pencil through it. Oh, that's the wormhole. Like that's the most <laughs> classic scene. But I'm like, where do you get the other side from? Like, how do you find the other side? Like, obviously the entrance is where you are, but where's the other side? So I just had these <laughs> questions that. The first I don't step know. is <laughs>
2: to just find a good theoretical framework for this, yeah. and then we go for technology and
1: find the place. But yeah, I think first... I think
0: I think that w- those would be the steps. Those would be the steps for sure
1: so yeah. um yeah we're coming up on an hour and 10 minutes so i think we can end the podcast here uh we so. thank you so much for coming on today absolutely. this was absolutely for fascinating sure. eye opening i think we learned <laughs> yeah, so sure. much today this is this sure. an amazing yeah. conversation thank good, you
2: good good uh, thank you for inviting me and i hope it was not sometimes you lose the the level of technicality you want to explain things not too technical but then it's so i hope it's not it wasn't
1: yeah, it, it's always hard to use like words <laughs> that are simpler than the ones you're used to mm-hmm. without going overboard. They say you know, it's like
2: uh, uh, explaining physics without math, especially this technical physics. is like playing one of Mozart's uh, pieces with uh, boxing gloves. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: a way to think about it. That's a way to think about it. So, um, yeah, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple, or watch this video version on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Leave us a comment, some uh, some episode recommendations for yep. us, or uh, just uh, just something nice uh, on uh, YouTube or Instagram at math.physics.podcast. Physics uh, Podcast. Anything else, Ray? I think. Uh... You, you already mentioned our email, right?
0: Just math.physic.podcast.gmail.com If you guys have any questions, any queries. We get, we're getting a lot of emails and we love it. We love to respond to emails. Like we've always been getting... Uh, I mean, as I mentioned in that sponsorship message, like we legitimately got like two, three people asking us, hey, uh, I'm in like grade 10 what do i do to learn more stuff like you know we we got so many dms like that and that's amazing like the fact that you guys want to know this you know like that's that's exactly what we're trying to do here we're trying to spread our love for the science community
1: so yeah i think right. uh, that's it yeah so thank you once again dr Rastigu. thank you and um yeah this has been episode number 51 mm-hmm. of the math and physics podcast i'm your host parker And I'm Ray,
0: and we will see you soon. Bye, guys.